Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 668 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we'll be hearing from the Fortunes ahead of their gig at the Sensational Sixth Experience at the Grand Theatre on the 24th of April, alongside the fact they've got a brand new single out. Hello, my friend. That's on the way. Also talking to the Grand, we'll be finding out about the King of Reggae, a show celebrating the wonderful music of the one and only Bob Marley. Reed Bass letting us know all about that one. We'll be hearing from the Bootleg Jam. They're playing the Theatre on the Steps in Bridge North in May. We'll be finding out about what they have coming up. Plus, we'll be finding out about the Jerry Anderson documentary put together by Ben Field and how that will be released on BritBox over the next few days. We'll be joined by David Domini. You know him from uh, the TV gardening shows on ITV. We're finding out about the way in which we're using our home office space and the garden space to relax at the moment as SafeStar Windows are working with them on some research there. We'll be having a chat with Dr Nina Bell. She's part of the team on the Body Fixers on E4. Finding out how cosmetic surgery is apparently on the rise. Plus, on top of that, the first Chase Pride is due to take place. We're talking to Nottie Mayer, who's part of the organisational team and will be DJing. We'll be finding out what's going on from Crystal Academy as they perform there, and Amrit Jawa joining us for a bit of a natter about his music and his part in the event too. That's all on the way on the show this week. Bootleg Jam are playing the theatre on the steps in Bridge North on the 14th of May. I join now by the two Pauls from the band, Jarrett and Maroney, to tell us more about what they're up to after an absolutely fantastic gig last night, by all accounts. Hello to you both. Hey, how you doing? You all right? It's good to talk to you, and we're going to have a, a little bit of insight into what you get up to, because it's been three years you guys have been playing together now, hasn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah three years. We were affected by lockdown, really. You know, they came to, you know, kind of scuppered what we were doing for a little while. Mm -hmm. Things seem to be picking up a little bit now, and people are sort of hungry for entertainment. And if last night's gig was anything to go by now, yeah. Some amazing music to work with, which is a, a, an excellent start. So give us the, the rundown of the lineup of how the band looks. Uh, there's myself on drums, Paul Jarrett on bass, Mark Anderson. Uh, we're both local to each other. We live in Dartford in Kent. And then um, Mr. Maroney, who's just been speaking, Paul Maroney, um, on guitar and lead vocals. Um, yeah. And, and, so and this is right. all about making the sound right, isn't it? That's the important thing. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. The music of that time, I mean, there's a huge story to tell. And uh, I, I'm going to guess, uh, Mr. Maroney, you, you may remember some of this when it was around first time? Yeah, well, I first saw the jam, uh, I was lucky enough to have first saw the jam in... Uh, 1977 in the 100 Club mm -hmm. when I was 13. And um, I mean, it's a different era now, you know, we're talking about a pub club, which was full of people my age and older men, you know, it was a real cross section of ages. Mm -hmm. But I was very lucky to have seen them and they changed my life really, as they did for a lot of kids, you know, it was, the group itself was more than just music. It was like a family, you know, and they kind of were set apart from the whole punk scene. They were a kind of thing on their own, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mr Jarrett, uh, it seems very formal, but the easiest way of discussing when you've got two Pauls on the line. Uh, yeah. you know, 
How does it work for you from uh, from your point of view? Because I mean, you've drummed in a, a number of different bands, including uh, having a, a, a Beatles tribute in the past. Well, it's been a, from a, a purely playing perspective, it's been quite a challenge because um, I was um, I've been like Paul. Paul has been in um, the Beatle world, as we call it, um, in a former life. Um, but um, unlike Paul and Mark, the other guys in the band, um, I wasn't really fortunate enough to enjoyed the jam to the same extent when when they were around i was about 11 or 12 in 1982 so i wasn't, didn't have the opportunity to go to any gigs or and actually see them so I, I kind of envy the other guys in a way because i wasn't there and participating in person um but in terms of playing um it's i mean it's it's it, it's it's like a pleasure and a privilege really sounds a bit cheesy but to play the songs that i kind of grew up listening to and enjoying so much um, and also a challenge because Rick Butler you know um, was well as a young man when he was playing these parts and as an older guy now um, <laughs> stamina required to play those parts and to play them with the accuracy that he did um, you know is you know a challenge but also great fun too so and how can uh, we uh, approach the lineup when it comes to the music? I mean, do you do that chronologically or do you just enjoy putting a set together, which is very much a, a best of a band, which you really uh, absolutely 100% giving your utmost to? It, that in itself can be a challenge because, for instance, if we do a, a, a pub venue, we'll probably tailor the set to that, you know. It, it depends. If, we, if we're playing a place where we know it's people who kind of, know the jam often it will be things like town called madness going underground all the big hits you know we will stick to those because often if you put album tracks in they are for the fans but also we we turn people on to jam music which which they perhaps you know never heard so we'll get people come up and say oh what was that song you played billy hunt you know which wasn't a single it's an album track off all mod cons and we'll say it's on all mod cons and they'll go out and you know, by the album and sort of rediscover the music latterly. Like, you know, people like Paul who perhaps didn't see the jam from the beginning, you know, but have become fans later on. Because mm -hmm. obviously you hear this stuff on the radio and album tracks rarely get played. So, yeah, to answer your question, really, we tailor the set depending on where we're playing and who we're playing to, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, the Bridge North event on the uh, 14th of May uh, gives you a chance to play in a theatre and uh, have an audience who uh, will be uh, you know, appreciating the music from, from all aspects, I'm absolutely sure. Where do we find details of you guys online? We have a Facebook page, uh, The Bootleg Jam. Um, we have also um, have an Instagram presence, although that um, is something that's in development at the moment. Um, in terms of a website, again, we've got somebody working on that um, so it's really the Facebook page, which is the main port of call for us, really, we, if you want to find Twitter, out more about us. We have a Twitter. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, we do have Twitter. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, we do have Twitter as well, yeah. What's the Twitter at... Um, it's um, Bootleg Jam. The Bootleg Jam. At the Bootleg Jam, yeah. yeah. Check out the details there. If you want to get yourself along to the gig at the Theatre on the Steps, theatreonthesteps.co.uk. We'll give the box office a call on 01746 766 That's 01746 766 And nip along on the 14th of May, 8 o'clock start, an amazing evening of entertainment, priced at 14 quid. You cannot go wrong with the Bootleg Jam. I think that's pretty much a given. Paul and Paul, thank you for joining us. Yep, thank you. Cheers. Thanks so much.
The Fortunes have a brand new single out and are played at the Grand Theatre on the 24th of April as well as part of a fantastic sensational 60s night. I'm joined now by Michael Smith and Eddie Mooney to tell me about what's going on. Hello, boys. Hello there, Jason. So, uh, first of all, what is happening? Because new music from The Fortunes, this sounds like an absolute treat. Yeah, well, yes, it's been a long time coming. Um, I think Eddie will tell you, last time we had a hit record was 1972. But uh, Eddie and I just discussed it during the lockdown. You know, we'd sitting on our backsides doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So he thought, well, we'd try and record something. So um, we came up with this song, Eddie and I, and we, we put it out. And it, it was a success. But I mean, listening to the track, and uh, we were playing it in a short while's time, it, it does say the fortunes all over it, doesn't it? You can tell it is the sound that you guys are bringing to the stage when you're recreating that fantastic music from the 60s. Oh, the new one? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, well, I, sorry to put in the head, but you know me. Um, <laughs> um, I'd had this idea ages ago, you know, about what would happen if these two people met again after many years, you're realising you've got your troubles. And um, when we decided to write some stuff, I mean, Eddie came up with this idea of uh, doing a soul song. So we put this thing together and that was a success as well. And I thought, well, I'll try this one, this, this idea I've had in my head. And like you say, I, I used some of the refrains and even some of the words, if you listen to the lyrics, I pinched some of the lyrics out of that song, rephrased them. And um, yeah, it, it seemed to work. I sent it to Eddie and he did it, worked his magic on it and um, put the vocals on. And, and I, think, I, think, I think it's good. I think you're right. It does, you know, it does, uh, it does actually sound like us, I think. And Eddie, if you're allowed to get a word in edgeways, Eddie, you feel about it. <laughs> Well, just, picking up, just, coffee. <laughs> just picking up what, what Mick said, what actually happened during the lockdown was that we uh, we started to, to try and get songs together. And we did two records by sending tracks to each other over the net, which is the only way we could we, we could do it. And the, the first one um, actually got into the download charts. And then we did the soul song, uh, which is called One Special Moment. And uh, that, that charted as well. And um, it was, we thought, well, you'd be nice to keep this going. And like Mick said, he came up with this idea and he wrote the song, um, as he'll tell you himself, with the original You Got Your Troubles in mind. And my job was to try and sort of make it sound not completely 60s in the sense that obviously recording techniques were limited then, but but to try and evoke that sort of uh, atmosphere and even down to the artwork and the whole idea is it's a retro record, but done today. And, and I think that that's, that's part of what you're able to do when you're going out on stage with events like the Sensational 60s experience. You know, you're it's bringing the live sound, because music sounded live even on records very often back in the 60s, didn't it? It was very difficult, though, to recreate it, though, Jace. That was always the problem, you know, because mm. when I first joined the band, it's nearly 40 years next year. Wow. Years. I can't believe it, but, but when I first joined the band, it was like two guitars, bass and drums. And you're trying to recreate a, a recreate a full orchestra, because as you probably know, in those days, Eddie will tell you the recording techniques were the the backing tracks were all done by these lovely. I mean, people like uh, Jim Sullivan and Jimmy Page played on the Fortunes records, yeah. you know, and they would the boys just go in and sing. So to try and recreate that kind of sound was very difficult when I first joined. But now we've got Chris Hutch in the band, and the, the keyboards and the sounds on the keyboards can recreate that exact. So we do sound more like the record now than we've ever done. 
And with the, the development of that and the fact that you can go out there and perform all those 60s hits uh, alongside the hits that you're creating now, uh, it, it's great to have you know, a brand that's recognisable and, and it's continued to be, even with the changes in lineup over the years. Well, of course. I mean, the thing is with, with any band, um, obviously lineups change and it's important that, that this particular lineup, and we've been together, as Mick said, he's been in it 40 years. I've been in it since Rod passed away, the original singer, sort of in 2007, whenever it was. And we, we want people, obviously, we're not the original lineup, uh, but we want people to see that we've kept the, the sound of the fortunes and the, you know, the approach to the, to, <clears throat> to the, to the record making. And so that's, that's why these songs are very important. And it's, it's, to, it's a continuum to keep the thing moving ahead uh, as long as we can. Mm -hmm. But I mean, with the music itself, it is absolutely timeless. And we're talking about songs from between 50 and 60 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, the, the likelihood of having those people around. Now, admittedly, they were all quite young when they were doing yeah, this performing. It, it's, it's relatively limited. We, we're lucky to have so many of the Rolling Stones and uh, at least half the Beatles left. You know, it, it, it's difficult enough, uh, particularly with the lifestyle that these guys used to lead. Yeah, true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but the music won't go away, I reckon, Jay. I mean, even when people like Eddie and I have retired, I think there'll still be a market for 60s music. I mean, they, they, they say that there's only five songs ever written, don't they? And four of them were written in the 60s. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you don't see the 70s tours or the 80s tours. That You see the odd gigs, but this thing's been rolling on for, you know, for four decades now. Mm. And I, I don't think it will stop when we finish, to be honest. Because there's a, there's a whole vibe about the 60s, the way they dress. If you go to somewhere like Butlins, and Eddie will tell you, there's three to 4,000 people there, all kids and old people, all dressed up as, you know, and it's just the whole 60s vibe. That's the thing, isn't it? Do you reckon Absolutely. it? Yes, I do. And the, I mean, you could argue that there's not many of Mozart's original fans around either. But, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there's uh, the, the music. I mean, it's, it's a cultural thing. It's exactly what Mick said. And uh, we're part of that and, and we're trying to keep it going. And I'm sure there already are uh, younger bands doing this sort of stuff. Um, and some of them do, you know, there's a band we worked with uh, before um, in, in Ireland and they were, I can't remember the name, make will probably remember, but they reproduced, they even looked like a band you would have seen in the 60s. Revolver. The, the Revolvers, yeah. And they were doing like the Kinks and the Who and the Beatles. And it was even down to the amps they were using. It was, yeah. it was so authentic. You could close, close, half close your eyes and you would think, you know, this was like 1968 or something, you know. Yeah. It was that kind of but I mean, it is an, an amazing sound and it's, that's, that's what you're bringing to, to record. I mean, unfortunately, it probably isn't on vinyl yet, is it? Because that's not something, but is that going to come, do you think? Will we expect uh, these latest singles and some other tracks from you on vinyl as a brand new Fortunes LP? It's, it's very difficult because, uh, I mean... Um, other music that I do, we put up in vinyl for a different market, but it's it's a very eclectic market, vinyl, and it costs a lot per unit mm. to make a, a vinyl single. I would love it to be on vinyl. In fact, that's why the artwork, I don't know if you've seen it, it recreates the old Decca, the blue Decca single in the orange packet, but obviously mm. we've, we've changed the, the word in. And um, it would be great. So if anybody out there would like to uh, to uh, put their money in the pocket and bring it out as a vinyl thing, that would be wonderful. Uh, but Vinyl singles tend to sell to younger people, ironically, rather than older people no longer have their, their dance sets anymore. It's to be more in, in the new era of music where that happens. It's, so a shame, we'll... it's a shame, really. I mean, if it, 
it's like the record industry was very bright for a few years, wasn't it? You know, but when the advent of computers, that was the end of it, really. Um, you know, the days when you could go into shop and buy an album and read it for a day, you know what I mean? <laughs> the covers and stuff, but downloads of stuff now. I mean, this stuff that Eddie and I do, and how many downloads have we got on the last one, Eddie? I think, uh, well, uh, the last, uh, the first single, Never Too Far, last time I looked was, was about uh, something like that. And um, how many? I think it was about 30,000, including streams. And we got two, um, we got two and six, didn't we? <laughs> well, put it this way it, it, uh, the amount, a bit more than that, but the truth of it is that I think it's well known that the, um, the amount you make from downloads and streams compared to what you would have done from hard copy is, is a fraction. I mean, yeah. we, we've got an album out at the moment that we sell uh, at concerts, and we make quite a lot of money out of that. Um, because, but people buy it as, I mean, I hope they listen to it, but I'm sure they buy it as a souvenir as much as anything else, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it is about uh, getting this music out there, enjoying it, and uh, sort of sharing an amazing time with people who couldn't have been there at the time, couldn't even thought of. But uh, yeah, so the music itself is just absolutely amazing. We can see you, as I say, at the Grand Theatre on the 24th of April as part of the Sensational Cities experience. 01902 is the box office number for that one. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. But give us all the details of the single just before we hear Hello, My Friend. Off you go, Ed. Right, OK, well, it's uh, written by Michael here um, and produced here. It was it, The single comes out on Friday, the 15th of April, and it's Hello, My Friend, by The Fortunes. Well, on, on the American label, by the way, I forgot to mention, it's on an American <laughs> label called Creative and Dreams, uh, run by Fred Cannon, who used to run Harvest Records uh, in the UK. So it's a, it's a bit of quality all round. It is indeed. indeed. Well, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Uh, Basil Smith and Eddie Moody, thank you for joining us. Thank you for bringing this new single and all the other music from the Fortunes to life. And we look forward to seeing you at the gig at the Grand on the 24th. Thanks, Thanks very much, Jason. Thank you. Cheers, mate.
Redfield has been working on a project looking at the life and times of Jerry Anderson. He's here now to tell us more. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good, and I trust you're finding you well. Uh, life is life is good currently. Slightly uh, slightly manic and and sort of a little bit all over the place as we gear up for premieres and launches and things. But yeah, really, really good. Really, you love good. it. Well, there you go. Now, now I've been uh, lucky enough to, to see you when you've worked on projects around the Midlands in the past. And this latest one looks at something which is part of everybody's childhood, I think, pretty much at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the wonderful world of uh, the, the Thunderbirds and beyond as Jerry Anderson brought all these to life. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really wonderful project to be part of, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it was something that... So, I mean, you know, you and I last spoke, I think, probably when we were doing the, the Commander of Magic, I mm -hmm. think, with, with Chris Commander, um, who I know you speak to sort of semi-regularly. Um, and then I've been working as, as head of development for the, the Format Factory um, for, you know, the last couple of years. And, and as part of that, obviously, we, we had to come up with new and exciting TV ideas. And, um, and Jamie Anderson, Jerry's son, uh, and I sort of had, had sort of our paths had crossed um, over a curry in, uh, <laughs> in, in sunny Cannes uh, a long time ago. Um, and I just I just sent him a message and said, actually, look, you know, I think there's probably a really interesting story to tell here um, about the the way that your dad's personal life uh, impacted his professional life. Um, and, you know, it, was, it really was a spec message and just wondered whether whether there was anything in it. Um, and the more we got talking and the more we, we chatted through the idea, it, it became very clear that actually there was a fascinating tale to tell. Um, and we we pitched it around fairly softly to some to some broadcasters who we you know we knew carried the Anderson titles um, and Britbox sort of was the was the one that came in with an offer 
um, that allowed us to move forward. So yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a spec, a bit of a chance conversation, but it was it was one that that has been incredibly revealing. And a chance to see the background as to how things uh, happen and they come together. Because as you say, personal personal lives really do have a massive impact on work life, particularly in the creative sector. Uh, because yeah. if, if, if you're not feeling creative, you're just not going to create. And so if you're having a bad time in your normal work-life balance, it's it's accentuated in, the, in this way. The impact that the you know our personal lives have in the creative sector is is sort of probably slightly more than most um i think um and you know i i imagine you know it, it's always been something that's fascinated me is the is the sort of almost how the mundanity of our lives can impact sort of so so heavily and things that we don't really see as being hugely important um end up sort of impacting our, our, our you know the decisions we make um hugely um and so you know, with, with that as a as a starting sort of point in my in my interest in this conversation with Jamie, um, I was absolutely gobsmacked by you know what came out of that conversation. Um, and really, you know, we we've been saying in in other interviews and and sort of everything leading up to this point with our our BFI premiere coming up on on Saturday. Um, I I I really do think that you will watch this documentary and then you will see all of his shows with completely new eyes you know mm -hmm. a, a whole different perspective it's through, throughout all of his shows it's not just you know because obviously he made so many um you know you you can look at at Torchy the Battery Boy and Twizzle and and uh, you know you, from there you start to see everything very very differently you know all the way up to space precinct and and terror hawks and um you know those shows you see in a completely new light uh, along with the classics of of you know thunderbirds and, and stingray and so on as as we all as we all know and as we all grow up with but them. yeah but such innovation as well i think that's that's the thing isn't it and it's something different I mean, even terror hawks was so different to anything else we'd seen in that genre yes yeah and and we've we've sort of continued that that theme if you like because um you know we we have incorporated uh artificial intelligence and deepfake into this film in order to allow jerry to present his own sort of hidden past if you like um on the screen so we have uh we have a deepfake version of jerry who is using um you know some 30 hours of unheard private audio recordings that he gave to his biographers um that we've used the deep fake to allow him to to present those words on screen um and that was that was a challenge in itself but i'm you know all all the reviews that we've we've had in um or we, we you know we've been party to uh, have been have been very, very positive. And they, they've all said that actually the deep fake is incredibly well done and that without it, actually the film would be lacking, which which kind of um, is, is very lovely because some of the initial responses we had when we announced on, on BritBox that this was gonna have a deep fake element. Um, I, I'm not saying that we had bad responses, but we certainly had, there was a lot of caution thrown our way of, you know, <clears throat> actually should deep fake be a thing well, I think it, it, if, if you're saying it up front that it's a thing, then it's a part of that creative process. If it's, it's when you try and do it as an actual fake and you are scamming people, you're not doing yes. that. You're being open about it. 
I think I think there's also a thing that that you know a lot of a lot of fans naturally you know respect Jerry Anderson hugely, um, and there was a concern I think that we had or that we might. Uh, try and get Jerry to say things and do things that he didn't say. But I mean, that, that was, that was a line that we absolutely, you know, wouldn't cross. And we, we said that right from the very beginning that we weren't going to do that. Um, all we wanted to do was use a visualization technique to carry the words that he did say rather mm -hmm. than make him say things that he didn't. Um, and I think that, you know, I think there's always a thing where, where fans of, of people's work and fans of people sort of have a, you know, there's a concern that, you know, filmmakers might go a little bit too far or they might cross a line or there's a boundary, you know, that we're, we're all, you know, we're all just out to make money on other people's expenses. And that absolutely wasn't, that wasn't the case and it never was. But until, until you see that in front of you, there's always going to be a worry, isn't there, that, mm -hmm. that people have, have, you know, done something horrible with your childhood and, and that was never our intention. And, I, and I'm glad to see that, that, broadly at the moment it seems that nobody thinks that we have done so that's that's very lovely um but some some of the you know some of the more important areas of of this film have nothing to do with our visualization techniques it really is the emotional heart and the core that goes through it because i, I don't know about you but i mean i've i've seen some very dry biographies uh, <laughs> biopics in in my time you know that are really very you know very fact first and an emotion later, uh, if if at all. Um, and I really wanted to bring the emotion to the screen um, in whatever way we could. Uh, and and I think this is quite a quite a moving piece of sort of gosh, I nearly I nearly said a moving piece of cinema, which would have made me probably more pretentious than I absolutely <laughs> needed to be. Um, yeah, but I but I think it is. Um, you know, it's it's a little. I found it's a little bit like a comedian laughing at his own jokes. Um, I've found this, and maybe it's because I now know the family and the people so so intimately. Um, I've I've found it difficult to not cry at the end of at the end of the film, and I you know, and I've watched it easily thirty or forty times probably in in various ways because I also edited it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I mean, I cry at a different thing at the end of the film each time. Uh, and I'm not alone on that. You know, J Jamie cries every time he watches it. And, uh, and you know, but my, my close family, I don't know why I looked up the stairs though. It's because my wife is upstairs currently. Um, but I've, I've kept it away from her. So she hasn't had to sit through 75 million different iterations of it. Um, <laughs> and so she'll see it for the first time when it launches. But, but for Jeremy as well, though, I mean, seeing his dad speak again after his passing, that must be an emotional experience in itself. Yes, very much so. Um, you know, his Jamie's eyesight isn't particularly great. Um, so, so even having, because we had a body double um, in place sort of when we went and shot at Pinewood. Mm -hmm. um, and he was saying that, you know, when he was doing certain activities, he would catch his, this body double, Rolly Hyde, uh, out of the corner of his eye. And he said it was just the most bizarre experience because it was just like having his dad back with him again and saying mm -hmm. words that, you know, that he hadn't heard said for so long. Um, so it was an incredibly emotive experience for him. And, and you know, I think once we, once we left Pinewood, I think sort of the the raw emotion of that probably hit him slightly more 
And have you got some archive footage alongside the uh, the audio and visuals of Grey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's a ton of archive that's never been seen. You know, some some from the Anderson estate, um, some that that has been in the public domain. You know, before, but probably probably not really that well used because out of context, you wouldn't know why it was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of with the with the contextualization, obviously, all of this starts to starts to come together. And we've been very fortunate. There's been a lot of goodwill. Because uh, there's been a couple of documentaries about Jerry done before, or more importantly, Jerry's work. Um, you know, the, there's uh, the John Huff documentary that that came out, you know, a, a good few years ago now. Um, there was so much material that John shot that, of course, didn't fit into his documentary at all because it, it was just sort of completely off topic for the way that his documentary was going. Um, and his son was very generous and, and gave us all the rushes for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we've got Jerry on camera saying things that he's never said before uh, publicly. Uh, and similarly, you know, a lot of his contemporaries uh, and business partners have told us things that, you know, and, and they're long since passed, but are now very revealing about Jerry's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, there's some, there's some very interesting moments that come out of some of his contemporaries. Uh, mm, okay, well, we'll wait to be intrigued when we see the production itself. Give us the full title, and of course, it's a, a Britbox uh, original piece of work, isn't it? It is, it is. Uh, so it's a Britbox original, and it's called Jerry Anderson, A Life Uncharted, and it comes out on Britbox on the 14th of April. Uh, we're doing a number of uh, limited Q&A screenings as well around the country. So we're at The Electric uh, in Birmingham on the 15th, um, with a Q&A, but I believe that has now sold out. There might be a couple of returns, um, but there will be another screening of that on the 17th, I believe. Check the Electrics website for that one. Um, and then there will be other screenings around the country to be announced as well. So you do get to see it in full cinematic glory. You do. So you get the you get the HD version uh, at, uh, at BritBox, and then you get the, you know, the full 4K whack uh, at the cinema as well so that's great it's, it sounds like it's going to be truly enlightening and entertaining and sort of giving a glimpse into the world that created so much joy for our childhoods Benfield, thank you for joining us no problem it's an absolute pleasure thank you very much for having me On the 27th of April, the king of reggae, the man at the music, is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. Tickets are already selling fast, and rightly so. Reed Bass is part of the show, and he's here to tell me all about what's going on. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good, and I trust we find you well. I'm good, thank you. Now, your music uh, itself uh, is, is worthy of a show. I mean, you, you're based initially in Brum, uh, you're a Midlands lad, and uh, you must be looking forward to coming to the Grand on the 27th. Well, definitely. It's a, I've been there a few times as an audience member, so it's going to be awesome to be able to play on that wonderful stage as well, so I'm looking forward to that. So tell us a bit, a bit about the show. What can we expect? Well, the show, it takes you through the various stages of Bob Marley's life, um, starting from the early years when he was, lived in St Anne's in Jamaica, and then he moved to Trenchtown, and then... When he gets into music, he meets Bonnie uh, Whaler and Peter Tosh. They form their band and all the wonderful music they make. Well, we're going to explore that and we're going to explore different sides of Bob Marley's life, um, including the early years, his transition from from a street lad to Rastafarianism, 
his love songs and his um, activism. Now, I mean, this show itself uh, has been produced by Rush, uh, the theatre company. That James brought the name Rush to the stage as well, and, uh, yes. uh, and this is being done. I mean, in, in complete honour of a man and his music, and I mean. You, you can't go wrong with Bob Marley's work. I mean, such a, an inspirational performer and, you know, somebody who was just taken way too soon. The thing is, he was taken so soon, but it's left such a lasting legacy. I mean, 40 years later, we're still talking about his music. His music's still been impactful. So what more can we say about his legacy? I mean, about his impact on modern life, on, on the world. Now, we've got 20 of his songs in the show, and uh, is, is there anything there that was a nice surprise to include for you? Oh, wow. <laughs> for me, uh, it, all of them are great surprises. I mean, these are songs I grew up with, um, so um, I, they all hold a special place in my heart. Um, however, don't tell anyone this, but my favourite tune is probably Concrete Jungle, just because that bass line is so wicked. And, uh, I mean, all of these songs brought to life on stage. And we're talking live music as well, which is the important thing, isn't it? That's right, yeah. I've, we've had two years of, of practically no live music, so being able to get back onto stage and, and bring live music to an audience is absolutely great. It's a wonderful feeling for both the audience and for the performers as well. Yeah, because we've got the JA Reggae Band who are doing the performing. And alongside yeah. that, we, we get to learn about a man who, I mean, everybody knows, even if they don't realise it. Yes, that's the thing. Um, we get to learn that the idea behind the show is that, you know, people can leave saying, I didn't know that about Bob. So, you know, look out for some interesting facts um, given by our narrators, Kushti and Lyricist B. So look out for that. So it, it's going to be a big show. I mean, so it's already selling well. The, we're into limited ticket availability, so people will want to get along to this. 01902 is a box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. But how else would you sell the show? Not that it needs selling. Oh, well, there's the, um, the Rush Theatre Company website. There'll be information on there. We have a whole bunch of stuff on social media, um, Facebook. And so look out for that. Um, this show, I mean... It, Anything Bob related is going to be absolutely amazing. The fact that we've got people who love the music and respect the music and want to serve the music the best way they can um, means that it's going to be an awesome show featuring awesome performers, awesome, awesome musicians. Well, I mean, the talent that's going to be on that stage is just going to be absolutely top notch. I mean, to have you involved as well, I mean, we, we, we know based on the fact that Reedbass is there. It is a project that is worth listening to, looking out for and enjoying. And uh, uh, how will we see you on the night? How would you see me? You can get in touch with me again on social media, read bass music everywhere, you know, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, um, YouTube. I've even got a YouTube channel. I need to put some more stuff up on YouTube. So give me a little prod if you want me to do anything and I'll see if I can put a video or something up on YouTube. OK, well, we're expecting the audience now to get in touch with you. Have a word with Reid and, and get involved. So it's going to be an awesome show. It is Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. It is 7.30 on the 27th of April. Once again, 01902 is the box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. For King of Reggae, the man, the music. And it's just going to be an absolutely awesome show. Reid Bass, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason, for having me.
The 3rd of September 2022 sees an event billed as the first Pride to take place on Canic Chase. There will be a parade, there will be some fantastic music, and a man who is going to be helping out with the wonderful sound is Amrit Chana. Hello, sir. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Now, the Pride events that are coming up over the summer are going to be a fantastic opportunity for you to showcase your talents. So what have you got lined up for the audiences? Well, I have been, um, prior to me being on TV, uh, I've been a house music artist for 18 years. Mm -hmm. So I've been a recording artist. I've been an international uh, house music vocalist. So, yeah, expect basically the, 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 the party will be elevated even further up. Once I get onto the stage, because you, it's going to be all club dance anthem. You were a party on your own. You don't need any help. <laughs> Little old me. Yes, mm. well, I tried doing it, you know. It's the old school raver in me. I still think I'm in my 20s, you know, from when back in the 90s. So. You, you, you could pass for it. You'll get away. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. So, I mean, when it comes to the, the sort of music that you've got out there, I mean, what is happening uh, in your world at the minute? Can we expect to see anything specific online or on the socials where people can, can join you for a bit of fun before the party starts in September? Yeah, I mean, you know, if people contact me or get in touch via Facebook or Instagram, um, I will always, I always connect with people. I always chat with everyone. Um, and um, because... Musically, I'm, I've been in the studio working on new tracks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get new releases out this year. And um, I did have a couple of TV projects, but I've put them on hold. Um, but um, I still get people contacting me from watching the reruns of Come Down With Me or <laughs> X Factor or The Voice or whatever. And they'll every time it's shown on TV, on any of the channels, I'm always getting people contacting me like it's the first time that I'm on TV. So <laughs> that's always fun and exciting you know, to, to, to connect with people and just see everyone's entertained. Yeah, well, it gives people a chance to, to actually find you. But to be fair, I mean, you've got a, a fan base that has known you now for, as you said, the best part of 20 years. And it must be great to have so many people who've really followed the career. And for them, the being on TV hasn't been the pinnacle of it because they've already known about you and what you do. Absolutely, exactly, exactly. And the thing is, um, prior to me being on TV, it, you know, I was performing all over Europe, um, the Middle East, um, Miami. Um, I've performed to um, African royalty. I've performed to Bulgarian royalty, um, and also various fashion events, you know, on an international scale. So yeah, and that was all before I even you know, accidentally went <laughs> onto the TV spectrum. Yeah. I mean, a bit of the, the fashion side of things. I mean, at the fashion events, have you been hosting, DJing and performing and, and and the like? Or has it purely they just want you for how you look? Because, come on, you know a thing or two when it comes to setting a trend or two in fashion. Oh, absolutely. Well, the thing is, and thank you very much for saying that's very kind of you. Um, I'm, because I'm one of, I, I don't know if, it, if you can call it an anomaly, <laughs> but if I've used that in the right context, but I am different from a lot of singers in the sense of I'm a old school style singer. So you remember the belting soul divas of the 90s, you know, CNC Music Factory, Black Box, from mm-hmm. all the big powerhouse vocals. Well, that's me. And I sing <laughs> live. I don't rely on ghost vocals. I don't rely on auto tune. I sing 
100% live. And that, um, that, that really surprises people because they're not expecting it. And then on top of that, I love to just wear the most craziest outfits, which is where the fashion world comes into it because a lot of fashion designers know that I have absolutely no problem wearing anything they, they want me to wear. For example, a few years ago, I did a couple of shows at Belfast Castle, and I was the only person there who was going up and down on the catwalk singing, because obviously I'm a singer, yeah. I'm singing, but I'm wearing um, seven foot hydraulic wings <laughs> on my back, yeah. which they attached to my back, and they had a remote control, which which made it kind of sort of the wings flat. Yeah, there was four foot on either side, I think it was, and um, yeah, and I'm going up and down on the catwalk singing, but whilst modelling these wings and uh, the other outfit I was wearing, the only problem was we hadn't rehearsed it with the wings spread out. So literally, I was whacking people as I was walking past them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I, I, even for the Zoom call we're on now, there is so much colour in the in the images in front of me. You know, this is all uh, it's about you. So larger than life in many ways and with with a voice that's bigger than, than anything. Thank you so much. You know what? At the end of the day, I, I find, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to sound like an old man now, but I'm getting tired of seeing today's generation looking up to pop stars who don't take pride in their, um, their what they wear um you know like your Ed Sheeran's you know looks like a pub singer with a guitar <laughs> um or your Billie Eilish's you know all this it's like being miserable and depressed is like the new cool and I'm like no you know I'm from back in the day of being happy being loud and out there and just really having fun you know and I'm, I'm hoping to bring that back I really want to bring that back you know and that it's okay to be happy <laughs> it's not, not a bad thing you can enjoy it no one is going to look down on you for the fact you're having fun absolutely and I always make sure I do have fun I make sure I have fun because it's only if I'm genuinely having fun that I can that convey that to my audience and I know that they're going to have fun as well because they see me having fun Mm -hmm. you know so yeah you've got to give you your all but you know i think it's about being authentic as well absolutely you know well people can find you all over the socials etc give us the details for that before we plug the pride gig okay well literally just um i mean instagram is the best one because um I, I i i i'm always on on that so um just as long as you type my name incorrectly you can find me on twitter instagram facebook uh it's Amrick Channa, A M R I C K C H A N A. You won't be able to miss him as soon as you find him. I'm always at the top. <laughs> That's the way. Well, we expect nothing less. It's going to be an amazing bill for the Pride event coming up at Chase Pride. Uh, it is the 3rd of September. It's in Hensford Park. You will be there. You're part of an absolutely massive bill. And the, the talent is going to be just completely on show that day. It's going to be amazing. Chasepride.org.uk is how you can get your tickets. Get along, see this man and a host of other people putting on an amazing show. You, I, I know you're actually going to shine, aren't you? Absolutely. And I'm just thrilled. 
and honoured to be part of the first ever Chase Pride and just sharing the stage with so many amazing talents on stage. So, um, yeah, but, so people, please get onto chasepride.org.uk. Get your tickets now because we're going to have the best party ever and just celebrate all night. It's going to be awesome. Amrik, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Take care. The Home Office is now on the wish list for buyers looking for their forever home. But where exactly will we put it? To find out more, I'm joined now by star of TV show Love Your Garden, and David Dominey and Martin Troughton from Say Star Windows. Good afternoon to you both. Good Hi afternoon. So first of all, I mean, David, give us a, a bit of a background to this story, because, I mean, we don't really want to take over too much of the garden, but actually there's all sorts of places around our home we can sneak an office in. Well, that's it. The, the study done by SafeStar is looking at the changing attitudes that, that we have to, to our homes. Uh, since the pandemic, I mean, most of us were, were locked into our own homes for, for, for 24 months or so in and out. We spent more time there than ever before. And it, it's changing our and balancing our priorities to spend more time with friends and family and a little bit of time for ourselves. And of course, uh, also minimizing travel because these home offices, just quite rightly, as you said, have become a very important part. And in many cases, it's people's old box room or garage that's been converted for a really nice backdrop for the Zoom meetings and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's become important and, and people are seeing that uh, the homes should be their forever homes. In other words, they can invest in the time they spend in the garden, planting trees and seeing them grow. Many people want to enhance their own homes with um, with, with a variety of different ways, creating offices, putting sunrooms in. Um, so the, there's a series of attitude changes to our homes. So rather than being transient and change them and get them bigger or smaller, whatever stage of your life, but to choose one particular home that will be with you for a long period of time and invest heavily in that home and that garden because the, the property is much more than just a place to sleep. It's mm-hmm. something that we love too. Yeah, and, and it's something to, to, yeah, to make uh, our future future-proof it at the same time. And the, the figures are quite promising, the fact that uh, the average age to buy your first time in Wolverhampton has been 22 and 30. And that's quite good to see that people are actually getting on the property ladder that soon. And it does mean that they, you know, the, 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 the lifespan of their mortgage that they're actually going to be able to enjoy the home relatively cost-free as it is going to be their forever home after they've got that mortgage out of the way. Yeah, it's encouraging younger people getting into to property early on. And, and as, as I'm sure you remember when you were given those keys to your <laughs> first property uh, and you're going in knowing it's your space and uh, and that, that's, that's a magical interaction. And of course, investing time and money onto that property because it is a good investment. Um, and, and, and even though there is fluctuations in the market currently at the minute, buying buying properties is, is something quite significant. I don't know what you think of that, Martin. Yeah, I mean, I was amazed that 70% of people said that they're already in their forever home. And I think that's that's just a state of mind, isn't it? You think you're in your forever home. I mean, Jason, today I'm exchanging on what I thought was my forever home. I've mm-hmm. been there for 17 years, brought my daughter up, planted a garden, David. It looks amazing. <laughs> but I leave it next week because I've exchanged. I think I've exchanged anyway. It's all fraught, this exchange stuff, isn't it? It is. So it's not an easy time. It's difficult for people to go through. And of course, as soon as you find that place that you think is going to be for your forever home, you're looking at what you need to do to it. And at the moment, obviously, with the fuel prices so high, 
it's got to be as efficient as possible. And that's where we need to look after our windows and safe style come in. Oh, you're good, aren't you? I appreciate that plug. Now, the windows, energy efficiency with biddles going through the roof. Yeah, making sure your windows are energy efficient is incredibly important. But COVID's changed all sorts of things as well. There's a new piece of legislation coming in on the 15th of June, where actually every window has to have a trickle vent. And that's all about the health of, of the nation, frankly. So the airflow because we know air fresh air is so important post covid so every window from the 15th of june will have to have a trickle vent fitted in it by law that's new news Mm -hmm. so and if somebody has got home with air trickle vents uh, they, they need to make sure they have got good ventilation in other ways. And air bricks yeah. are nowhere near as convenient to look after and uh, are rather more unsightly than a nice trickle vent on a, a stylish window. Yeah, you're, you're right. And uh, also, you can close a trickle vent if it's a, a really cold day or drafty or anything like that. And you can modify it a little bit because it has different settings and foam. So it insulates. An air brick is just open. And also air bricks make a house really noisy because you're letting in all of that noise pollution as well as fresh air yeah and uh, with the trickle vent it's normally at an angle as well isn't it so nothing can get straight through yeah no no it, it, it won't let insects and that sort of thing through but it it just allows that little bit of airflow which is great for the health i mean david's written a, a book on house plants and things like that because they amazingly change the whole internal environment of a house okay. yeah and i think when you when we're talking about fresh air inside rooms it's much more important than than j- just having Fresh, fresh oxygen in in the rooms to breathe um what we're finding and and, and something's been about for a long time if, if you're not opening your windows and ventilating the buildup of toxins with inside your home is, is quite um significant i mean some people just out of nowhere get a headache just by being inside it wasn't due to drink last night or having too many salty foods it's just a headache that's generated because we use a lot of artificial products inside our homes the spray from an aerosol can when you're putting antiperspirant on that spray has got to go somewhere cleaning products gas opening the door to uh, so where, where people are driving past outside carbon monoxide coming in in our carpets our clothing uh, our cleaning products our cosmetics it builds up inside the home now th- there's been a lot of studies that house plants actually help remove some of these toxins like trichloroethylene, benzene, formaldehyde, xylene, and a whole host of others. Um, And it's the plants through their living process and the microorganisms in the soil, I hasten to add, that between five and six house plants in a room is cleansing the air within the room and, of course, producing fresh oxygen at the same time. The issue is, if there's no air movement inside rooms, you don't get the toxic air to the plants and you don't get the oxygen around. So these trickle vents are incredibly important and, and matched alongside plants on windowsills or in pots in the corner of the room makes a healthy room and we feel better for it. And I mean, I know that I've got a, an air quality monitor in a couple of rooms in my house. So I know when the carbon dioxide has gone up and as you mentioned, headaches and things that can be caused by uh, yeah, just you breathing and not getting any ventilation through, particularly at night, that trickle vent is going to be your friend. And it means you don't have to have a drafty window open to get some sort of fresh air, which always helps too. But when it comes to looking outside of the garden that we've been you know, carefully planting over these years in our forever home, if those windows are a bit misty as well, it means that you're not getting the sort of protection you should from your double or triple glazing because they actually aren't triple glazed anymore there isn't a vacuum in there so again that's another time to make sure you're thinking about what you need to do and maybe changing your windows well there's two there's two things it's about the transparency of the glass 
because what windows are so efficient now they not only keep energy in with that vacuum and the the gas inside the insulation pocket what they're doing is they're harvesting free energy from the greatest source of heat on the planet you know the sun yeah that free energy that's coming in actually means an efficient window now heats your home there there's ratings if it's an a rated window it's actually harvesting more free energy than it would lose across a year. So it means that you use less energy to heat your home. So it is well worth looking at that to make sure your home is as energy efficient as it can be, particularly at this time, but certainly for the planet going forward. And this is where these products start to offset the carbon used to produce them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and windows are a free source of energy if you get the right ratings. So they will they will gain more kilowatt hours of energy than they lose across their lifetime. So where can we go for more information on SafeStyle and all these products and the survey that you've done around our homes? Well, it's easy to remember. It's safestyle.co.uk. And David, you are currently on TV with season 12 of Love Your Garden. Tell us about that. Yeah, we, we, we filmed some of those um, the end of last year. So we're on every week with our Alan Titchmarsh, Francis, Casey, Danny and myself. And I'm also on, of course, with, with Alan on Sunday morning on, on Love Your Weekend. It's a marvellous show that creates, you know, it's very spectacular gardens for very deserving people. And we're just about to start, not next week, but the week after, filming the other half of season 12 and season 13. You know, I said to Alan, I, I said, we spent a fifth of our lives together <laughs> building gardens over the last decade or so. Um, more garden. I think I've, I've created more gardens with Alan now than I did with Carol Vorderman and when I was doing better homes and uh, than he did with, with Charlie and Tommy on ground course. We've, we've got to be nearly on the hundredth garden, which is, uh, it's quite an achievement and boy, don't they make me work hard. Oh, well, absolutely. As we expect nothing less. But, uh, so let's all get a great view through our SafeStyle windows and enjoy the garden that's outside too. Martin Troughton from SafeStyle Windows and David Dominic, star of TV's Love Your Garden. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you. The Crystal Academy of Dance are heading out to all sorts of places over the summer and beyond. Kirsty Young joins me to tell me more about what's going on. Hello. You all right? I'm good. I trust we find you well. Uh, yeah, we're good. Thank you. We're good. Now, give us a bit of a background to the uh, the Dance Academy to start off with. Uh, yeah, so Crystal Academy, we were originally KY Dance. Um, we changed to Crystal Academy April last year. So we've just done our first year as, Chris, as an academy, so we changed to a full academy. Um, we've been competing for around six years now. Um, we've took multiple first places, uh, second and third places, loads of high scores. Um, we got second in the national final. Um, myself and my staff have um, made finals for national outstanding choreographers. Um, we represented the UK in Disneyland Paris just before COVID. Mm -hmm. um, we're actually looking to that again, not next year, but the year after. Um, and we did a massive dance festival with diversity, which pro probably was my highlight. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy getting to meet the diversity lot because they're, they're brilliant. So you've been having some good fun. So tell us about the age range of uh, people involved. So my youngest dancer is three. Uh, we start at three years old. Um, currently we go up until 18, but we are aiming um, to 
basically launch a second studio next year where we'll be doing adult classes as well, mm -hmm. um, including aerial classes, so like hoop, pole, silks, and circus arts as well. So we're looking for a massive extension towards the end of this year, beginning of next. Wow, so it's, it's, it's busy down there. It's going to get busier. And, and all this it is, is about yeah. promoting fitness and fun, isn't it, as, as, as well as getting a chance to perform? Yeah, it's a, well, it's a massive importance to us. Um, so we don't just offer competitive classes. So we offer just just fun classes, um, just classes where, because not everybody wants to compete, not everybody wants to be centre stage, and it's absolutely fine. But some people just like dancing for fitness. Some kids especially, like, they just enjoy... Our tinies, for example, like our tinies are three to five years. Some of them have no interest in getting competitions or anything like that, but they do enjoy coming along and like using balance beams and jumping around to crazy music and making new friends. And so it sounds like it's absolutely good and brilliant for everybody. And so you've got events uh, throughout the year. So uh, competitions lined up at the moment? Uh, we've got a competition coming up in May, the 8th of May. We've got Born to Perform, the competition's called. Um, and we're taking a lot of new dancers to that. Um, so we, we we try and make sure we're as inclusive as possible. So we don't just take like one competition team. We've got 16 teams competing um, in May, which is a, a lot of organisation, a lot of costumes to work out. Um, but the youngest competitor, again, is three. So we try and make it as open as possible so that everybody gets the opportunities. Well, this sounds like absolutely excellent fun. And uh, one of your display events is going to be at Chase Pride. Now, the team from there has introduced me to you. Uh, so uh, we can have a bit of a natter and see what you've got coming up uh, for your part of the event on the 3rd of September. Uh, so at the minute for the 3rd of September, again, we're taking age, like a massive age range. We're taking some of our tiny dancers. Um, when, we, <laughs> when we spoke to the tiny dancers about their favourite dance, uh, they have asked if they can do Who Let the Dogs Out? So... <laughs> We're, pro we're probably bringing a load of Dalmatians with us. Um, if they want to perform it, we'll let them perform it. We have uh, our musical theatre group who will be coming. Uh, they're currently working on uh, a Queen piece, and one of the lads is singing. He, he is a big Queen fan. Um, so he'll be singing Queen. And then our senior groups and our pre-teen groups um, are currently working on what we call bebop and rock and roll. Um, so we're, we're bringing as many different styles but keeping it as lively and as fun as possible for everyone so i mean absolutely brilliant fun and you get another chance to show off what you're doing in competitions and uh, it, it makes it even more exciting for, for them you know the families will be uh, going along as well and it's a sort of event where a competition it may be difficult to get everybody to i mean this is all local because where are you based uh, we're based he says um Hensford park actually is like a two minute drive from us <laughs> It's literally, we could walk there. It's brilliant. Um, so I know a lot of my parents are planning on walking there because the festival, um, so the festival's obviously got all the acts, but then they've got like a fun fair and they've got stalls and things like that. So it's a brilliant opportunity for our kids and other kids and other parents to come down and socialise, not just for a performance, but to come and support the event and make sure that we're showing as much support as possible, but whilst having fun as well. So I know a lot of ours are walking to it so it's, it's going to be a nice environmentally friendly way of doing it as well. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so uh, give us all the background on where people can find out more about you and the, uh, the group itself. Uh, so we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. It's all the same user. Um, we're, Chris, we're Crystal Academy. Um, everything's on there. And we've got our website, uh, which is crystalacademy.net. 
um, or, or they can email or phone myself. Again, all, all information's on all of those platforms. So you can get all the details there. And if you want to see them chase pride, all you need to do is go along and be part of it. Details of the event, which is on the 3rd of September, can be found at chasepride.org.uk. And you can find out more about all the other parts of it. It should be a, a really brilliant uh, sort of whole family event uh, as Chase Pride uh, happens for the first time. Well, Kirsty, lovely speaking to you. Thank you for joining us. Keep up the good work and uh, well, fingers crossed for some brilliant competitions wins as you head through 2022 and beyond. Thank you. It was lovely to meet you. Many of us will have heard the phrase beauty is pain coming from a French translation and it seems that cosmetic surgery is on the rise. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr Nina Bal from Body Fixers on E4. Hello to you. Hello, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, good to talk to you. And uh, when it comes down to what you see on the TV show and I mean, what you'll probably deal with in your day-to-day -day working life as well, there's an awful lot that people want to change about themselves, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. And what we also, we have been seeing and I'm, I see also in my daily practice is that weirdly enough, after COVID, after the pandemic, there has been a huge rise and people really wanted to do something about themselves to look better and and therefore also feel better mm -hmm. now what is the the main thing people are looking at because obviously we see people with piercings and, and and tattoos all the time and hey it's just a normal part of life but are we looking further than that at the moment Yes, yeah, so what I am actually noticing is the fact that Zoom calls or any sort of like virtual video calls have really made people aware of their facial asymmetry. So not only um, aging signs, but people normally you don't really see yourself uh, when you talk, but you mm. do look at yourself during the video calls. And so m most of us have a degree of facial asymmetry and that has on the video calls, it gets obviously amplified. So people got really became aware during the pandemic about what they are not happy about their faces and really decided to do something about it. Now, I mean, shockingly, though, 44.7 million people admitted they know someone who's had a cosmetic procedure that's gone wrong. And I think it's going to the right people to get these things done that matters, isn't it? Because you, you can't just trust anybody when it comes down to your face. Absolutely. And that's a very interesting research that Beauty Uncovered Live have done in the last few weeks. And it is surprising, but also not because unfortunately, the aesthetic industry is not very much regulated in UK. However, my suggestions as a qualified dental surgeon who performs uh, non-surgical aesthetic is to really do your research. When it comes to do something to your face, you want to make sure you go to a doctor, a dentist, or a nurse prescriber. And a very good opportunity would be actually to come to the Beauty Uncovered Live event show on the 7th and 8th of May, where really will be almost like an aesthetic wonderland where we bring good practice to consumers and explain and show exactly what they have to look for. 
Because yeah. I mean, we're not talking about just vanity here, are we? We all want to be the person and appear that uh, how we wish. So actually, getting something done through cosmetic surgery, uh, if you have the funds to do it, then uh, you know it, it's it's not a bad thing. It's it's only the same as, as as getting a tattoo in many ways. Yes, absolutely. And again, from the research that we have done, we found that forty nine percent of Brits have said that the way they look in the morning have an impact on the rest of the day. So there's no wonder why so much money has been spent on something that makes you look better because of the incredible effect on the way that makes you feel. Yeah, so it's all about how you feel and making sure that you, you get it right as well. And as we say, that's where the number of people who are exhibiting at this show uh, are going to be the right sort of people to talk to because they're, they're all part of an industry that is actually trying to help. Totally. It's all about educating people because at the end of the, of the day, the consumer, the, the general public is bombarded by information and you don't know what you don't know so it's crucial that we give the public the the power through knowledge to tell them what to look for um so that event will be incredible so i really encourage people to go on beautyuncovered.com website to get the tickets for the show i will be there great name in the industry as well and really we will give you all the information you need to help you yeah, and uh, so it, it's something you might want to go to just to, to have a look around to start off with. And uh, you might have a thought in your head about something that you're not quite as happy about as you could be. Uh, and you can start to see how the, the costs work as well. Yes, absolutely. So everything will be there. You'll be able to speak to top clinicians, to um, watch live demos, to find out about all the latest treatments, because we have really too much information out there and and the what i find in my clinical practice is that the uh consumer is so confused so we are going to be there to just really give clarity um to whoever wants and then they get to come along meet up with people like yourself and talk things through it, it might well be that uh, you know that you will talk them through what uh, could be done and in some cases i mean this is the, the the good ethics of it will be you might say to some people actually no that isn't the best route for you that's absolutely right and what i do in my practice the more experience i get the more i say no and my advice will only be on the patient's best interest i really screen people for uh, body dysmorphia uh, if i have specific questionnaires so we really want to make sure that you treat people for the correct reasons um and being just very very clear up front doing thorough consultation because some people seek treatments for the wrong reason and then the, this will never satisfy them. So it's all about having honesty, good ethics, um, clarity, and having this very open conversation with that with patients. So give us all the details on the event and where we can find it. Yes, absolutely. So I really encourage everyone to go on beautyuncovered.com website where you can purchase a ticket. You can also to find out any information about it on the Instagram at beautyuncoveruk where we're going to describe all the information is going to be two days event packed with really whatever you, you wish to know about the aesthetic industry. I will be there and I hope to see many of you there.
Yeah. Well, if you are looking at something like that, so even if it's only just to find out what you might uh, want to do and to be able to talk to somebody, that's the place to be. And uh, you can be, say, part of you know, that journey and talk to the people you need to talk to who will have your best interests at heart. Absolutely. All right, Dr. Nina Bell from E4's Body Fixers. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Have a good day, everyone. With the first Chase Pride on the way on the 3rd of September, there is an amazing lineup of people performing. One of those is Nottie Mayer, who joins me now. Hello. Hi, how are you, Jason? I'm good. I trust we find you well. Yes, not too bad, thank you. Good stuff. So explain what's going on for you on the day. Yes, so I suppose I've got two roles on the day. Uh, first of all, I'll be performing. So I'm DJing, I'll be on the turntables and entertaining the crowd. Uh, with all things house and dance music, I suppose, we'll try and keep it quite commercial in style, I think, during the day. So that's that's one role. But I'm also one of the organisers of Chase Pride as well. So I'll be running around behind the scenes on the day, making sure everyone's where they need to be and hopefully keeping things running in, in some sort of safe order, I suppose. Well, because this is an event that's going to be drawing people in from all around the Midlands, and that's the reason we're, we're talking to you. I mean, you're only about 10 miles up the road from us, saying uh, Wolverhampton. And, uh, you know, you, you've got an event which is going to bring some amazing acts and uh, a, a huge cross-section of different sounds to the stage. So explain a bit more about the background for us. Yes, of course. Well, we started uh, Chase Pride a couple of years ago now, and uh, we intended to hold the first Chase Pride in 2020. Unfortunately, uh, coronavirus came along and derailed that for us a little bit. But never mind, we're here now, we're here today and planning for the 3rd of September. We really want to create a safe space where people can be themselves um, and uh, come and enjoy a day of entertainment, a day of community, a day of celebration. Be proud about who they are, but also help us to affect some change in the area. Um, Canic Chase is quite a, a traditional community. Uh, I think, you know, those, those traditional family values are alive and well. We've got quite a large LGBT community in the area, but we're keen to make sure that there's a, more of a sense of community for those LGBT residents uh, moving forwards. And like I say, give them a space where they can come along, celebrate, and help us to, to grow, raise awareness in the local community about issues which we face on a daily basis. But alongside all of that, I say it is about bringing the whole community together. Nobody is excluded here. Absolutely, that's right. We have a family-friendly festival. We're hoping to attract people you know, from, from every aspect of, uh, of the area, every aspect of community, and, and really just bring people together to celebrate, learn, and enjoy, as you said earlier, that, that great lineup that we're putting together with something for, for everyone in there. Yeah, well, with the different uh, local dance groups uh, through the performings, uh, uh, the artists uh, singing live on stage. And that's going to be the big thing. It's, it's, this is a whole live event. Even your DJing will be live. That's right. <laughs> All live. Everyone uh, you know, coming along on the day. And quite a few special things going on as well. So um, you, know, you mentioned the, the dance group there earlier. We've also got some amateur dramatics groups coming along uh, and we're hoping to have a performance of, or a snippet of the performance of Kinky Boots on the stage as well. So there will be literally something for everyone there. 
And with you know, this whole focus on, on, on the community event, uh, the fact you've got uh, a front fair there as well, uh, uh, how, how will the, the message of Pride come across? Yeah, so we are kicking off the event with a Pride parade. This will be Staffordshire's first ever Pride Parade. Uh, we learned this just a few weeks ago. There's never been one before, um, but that will essentially set the set the scene for the day as we uh, parade through the town of Hensford and raise awareness about some of the issues facing the community. That parade will lead through to the Pride Zone, where we've got the entertainment. We've got lots of local organisations, charities, community groups coming along to exhibit and show the community what they do. We've got market stalls there, we've got food courts, there's all sorts going on on the day. And in terms of raising awareness, for me, it's all about those local community groups and some groups some charities that support the LGBT community from the wider area coming along to exhibit what they do and to enable people to connect with them as well. Yeah, and so it's about those connections, it's about being able to have that conversation as well. And I think that, that could well be the bit that, that's lacking sometimes. You know, somebody, you may, may feel isolated uh, and, and not have anyone to talk to uh, about themselves and how they feel. You know, they, they may have friends, they may you know, be part of relationships, but the, there isn't that uh, extended support, which may not, you know, it may be as visible as it needs to be. And this is what uh, this event will hopefully be able to bring across. Absolutely. We get messages on a very regular basis from members of the community here in Cannock Chase who feel exactly that, they feel isolated, they don't feel like there's a sense of community and uh, you know, like they belong uh, to a, a group in the area. And that's what we're keen to change through Chase Pride is give people that sense of belonging, bring people together, enable them to make new friends that can then they can carry forwards. But have a blooming good party at the same time as well. Have a great time too, absolutely. So, Owen, the, you've got a website which will show everything that's happening and uh, you'll start to see the line-up. I know the acts are being announced. I know some of the things which haven't been announced yet, but uh, it, it's going to be uh, absolutely huge, isn't it? It is. So this is, for our first event, shaping up to be something quite amazing. And uh, as you said, we're, we're announcing the, the acts, the line-up. Every couple of days we're announcing a new uh, new performer and we're building up to some really, really big names. So it's going to be an amazing thing for the area of Canic Chase. So uh, where do people find all the details for themselves to be able to, to get along, get tickets and, and be part of a huge community event? Yeah, of course. So the best place to go is to our website, which is chasepride.org.uk. From there, you can find links to all of our social media, you can buy tickets, and if anyone wants to get involved in any shape or form, be it volunteering, coming along to join the community marketplace, or to exhibit, or to join the parade, it's all on the website, people can register for all of those activities on there as well. Well, have a brilliant time with it. I know you've got plenty of weeks and uh, months to uh, to you know, continue to, to bring together everything that's going to happen. It will be huge. As I first in the uh, Staffordshire, uh, yeah, having it, it, its first parade, really uh, just a way of saying, you know, with this, there's people there for you, whoever you are. Absolutely. That's right. Well, Naughty Maya, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 669 next week. I'll see you then. ta ra now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah.
Bye from the milk bar, yeah.